Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Tim. I'm Willie. And I'm Nick. Today, we're going to try something a little different. We're going to try and keep it under an hour today. We're going <laughs> to see how quick, how uh, how well that goes, but already off to a good start. Happy one year anniversary to us, like three weeks ago. Good job, guys. Yay. High fives all around. Yay. Yeah. What, was our, what was our first episode? It was uh, The Born Legacy. Wow, what an on, episode to kick I remember that, too. With. Back on August uh, 22nd, 2013. Uh, wow. I don't think our... I think we have a max of 30 episodes in iTunes, so if anybody's curious to go back to those, number one, don't. But number two, <laughs> you can go to MidwestFilmNerds.com and listen to them and download them that way. But, uh... Yeah, so happy birthday to us. Um, other than that, we're going to talk a little bit about Joss Whedon's recent comments on some uh, sequels, <laughs> specifically George Lucas sequels. <laughs> and uh, then we're going to talk about Pitch Black, and then we're going to talk about Chronicles of Riddick in preparation for Riddick next week. We promise this is not a Riddick fan cast. We are still the Midwest Film Nerds podcast, but... <laughs> For the next two don't weeks. Don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> Is the domain name registered? <laughs> Midwest Riddick fan Yes. Alright, so. Right off the top here. Joss Whedon made some comments in an interview that people kind of just picked out of the interview and ran with. So I'm going to read everything in context. This is the Entertainment Weekly from the week of August 30th. It's got Whedon on the front with Clark Gregg and uh, the chick from the new S.H.I.E.L.D. show. And uh, basically the interviewer's like, hey, I like the ending to Dr. Horrible, and you're going to do a second one soon, right? And then Whedon's response to that, I'm blocking that out to prevent any spoilers, but Mm. Whedon says, first of all, yay, that means we did well. The thing is, it can't feel like an episode two. That's the important thing. A sequel has to be its own movie. You've got to look to Godfather 2 and The Empire Strikes Back. Even though Empire committed the cardinal sin of not actually ending, which at the time I was appalled by, and I still think was a terrible idea. The interviewer says, you think Empire Strikes Back had a bad ending? Then Whedon says, well, it's not an ending. It's a comeback next week, or in three years. That upsets me. I go to movies... Wow. I go to movies expecting to have a whole experience. If I want a movie that doesn't end, I'll go to a French movie. A movie doesn't have to be... Or a movie has to be complete within itself. It can't just build off the first one or play variations. Cause, so so we're containing that in our Empire Strikes Back uh, discussion. And then the next line after that is, you know the thing in Temple of Doom where they revisit the shooting trick? And then uh, the, the interviewer says, with Indy facing the two swordsmen. Whedon says, that's what you don't want. And I feel like that's what all of culture is becoming. It's becoming that moment. So that'll be our Temple of Dune, Doom talk. Temple of Dune. Oh, my God. Oh. Temple of Dune. Um, now we're to can we talk some Dune? <laughs> I have not seen or read Dune. Okay. Throw it on this is not Dune. the Midwest Dune cast, <laughs> Tim. We haven't started that yet. <laughs> so, okay. Empire Strikes Back. He says it doesn't feel complete. I think we have a variety of opinions here in this, in this case. I'm going to try and keep you guys short. So if I cut you off, don't take it personally, but do. Okay. <laughs> so, Tim, what do you feel about Whedon's comment about Empire Strikes Back? Um, I think he's wrong. On Empire Strikes Back, if I remember, I don't know. I haven't seen. I don't want to go rewatch Star Wars movies anymore. So like, I haven't seen it forever. So <laughs> honestly, I, I remember. I know what he's saying because it does obviously has have it to be continued. But even if it does, it feels like a whole movie to me anyway. Okay. But even if it does have a to be continued, it's supposed to because it's supposed to be inspired by a lot of the old serials and a lot of the things that said, come back next week to do this. So, I mean, he's pretty much wrong all around. So. Okay. <laughs> Willie, how do you feel about his comments? Um, I mean, I see what he's trying to say. I, I don't... I can't disagree with the fact that it doesn't really have an ending. I mean, I, I mean, when you look at it as a movie by itself without taking it the other two... If you just ending. sat down and watched Empire by itself, which I don't know why you would, but let's just say you did, like, it doesn't have an ending. You know, it, it doesn't. I mean, there's there's... Lo- there's nothing resolved by the end of that. It has an ending in the sense that the movie stops at some point. The credits begin. <laughs> yeah. Early. But I, it never bothered me about okay. it. I, I, I think and that in some circumstances, I think, I think there are better examples of that. I think Matrix Reloaded is a perfect example of that. I think mm-hmm. Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean 2 is a perfect example of that. Absolutely. I, I think that you have, to, you have to earn that. You have to earn the, the come on back next week. And I don't think... 
some franchises earned that when yeah. they already, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When they were trying it. So I think that um, I understand what he's saying, and I, I can't disagree with it, but it didn't bother me like it bothered him. So I don't even know if I would say that it bothers him. I, I didn't. It didn't. He doesn't like the idea of doing that, but he still thinks that Empire is a great sequel, which is fine, and it is a great sequel. It's one of the best sequels. But of it time. has an ending. It's just that the bad guys win is the ending. So that's kind of the ending. But they don't win. Well, they Luke's do. still alive. So is Leia. The Millennium Falcon's still out there. They win that round. They win round two oh. of the three round UFC fight in okay. Star Wars. So. But if there wasn't a third round, it wouldn't be a very compelling... No. Like, let's say Return of the Jedi was never able to be... Like, Empire bombed horribly, and they were like, we're never making Star Wars. It'd be pretty disappointing as an ending. Yeah. All right. Nick, your thoughts. Um, Concisely. (laughs) I'll try. (laughs) (sighs) We've had a few trial runs at this, so I think I got it. Uh, I do disagree as well, and when we initially kind of talked about this briefly, I, I said I can kind of see where he's coming from in that he doesn't like the ending but it is an ending the movie ends this that story every movie ends that that story presented at the beginning of the empire strikes back ends everything that's introduced at the beginning of that movie has a conclusion if there was i'm not saying that it's not better because there is a movie after it i'm not saying that the things that are presented in the empire strikes back are not brought up again in return of the jedi And admittedly, this is a weird gray area in movies because we're all used to all three of them. He grew up probably seeing Empire in the theaters. Yeah. Which, I, I, it just feels like a lot of weird, like, adolescent resentment towards this movie for feeling like he was mad that he had to wait three years to see what happens next. Because I really think that it is an ending to a movie. It's just not the ending I think people were A, expecting, or B, wanted. Because, like Tim said, the bad guys win that round. For for the most part, it's it's a downer of an ending of a movie. Mm-hmm. But that movie, and pretty much everything initiated at the beginning of that movie, comes to a, a conclusion. Whether or not it is a comeback next week is kind of irrelevant. Because you can have a movie that concludes and still says come back next week. Like, the first parts of the Caribbean, I think, is a great example of a movie that's a great self-contained movie. But it ends kind of on a note of these characters are going off somewhere and we could catch up with them in the future and see where they are. Because Return of the Jedi is not a to-be-continued necessarily in that it picks up the next day. Like a, a, a chunk of time, like six months or something mm-hmm. has passed between the two. And whole new conflicts are introduced at the beginning of Jedi that are concluded by the end of Return of the Jedi. So I think that Basically, like Tim said, I think he's he's wrong. I understand where he kind of what he's saying, but it feels like a really misplaced example. Like Willie said perfectly, it's just a really poor example of what you're trying to say. I think the Matrix series are not only a more relevant example, but they're a better example. They're modern movies doing it wrong when they could have, if you raise fault with Empire, maybe somebody could fix that. But if movies are still doing it now, 20 years later, now there's actually a problem. Now okay. it's manifested into a problem. I think what you said when we first talked about it, is a much more interesting argument where you said Empire doesn't even really have a, a driving plot, a no. take me from point A to point B. I think that holds a little more merit and is a little more interesting. That's a discussion for another day. Well, and I, I'm, I'm going to bring that up a little bit, but two things <clears throat> on the point of what you just said. The fact that there are better examples to this thing, I, my, what I've said to you guys a few times, that he wasn't, like, the, the question wasn't what are movies that don't feel finished. Mm-hmm. It was a he was like, these are good sequels that I enjoy. And then he had an offhand comment about he doesn't, how he doesn't like that Empire doesn't have an ending, in his opinion. The other thing that I was going to say, I forgot. So I'm just going to go into what I was, <laughs> was going to say. Um, so the opening crawl of Empire basically is just like, Death Star's been destroyed, but the Rebels also lost their place, and they've started a new place on Hoth, and Vader's looking for Skywalker. That's kind of what we know. In that first act, the Hoth base is gone. And Vader's going to try to lure Luke to where he wants to go. So that that gets closed off. Okay, Hoth is gone. Vader's found Hoth. It's gone. So let's look at the things that I believe do get carried over from Empire to Return. First of all, you've got Luke's training as a Jedi. The ending of Luke... Like, on Dagobah, Yoda's like, don't do this. You may go and save them, but it'll destroy everything they're working for if you don't finish your Jedi training, because then you can't take on Vader. Okay? 
And Luke's like, sorry guys, fuck you, I'm gonna go save them. <laughs> so, so Luke's training is up in the air, alright? And then on top of that, you get Han gets frozen in carbonite. And that kind of, this is kind of two things. Han gets frozen and he gets taken away. And Leia's like, oh, we need to go get him. So is, and, and Lando and Chewie. They're all kind of like, we need to go get him. And on top of that, it's also kind of a, a let's wait and see with the Leia and Han thing. Because they, they kind of like, after the end of the first act, Leia and, like Han wears down her defenses a bit. They're starting to warm up to each other. You know, you kind of grow together when you escape a big giant asteroid worm thing. And then, um, <laughs> and then there's the I love you and the I know moment, which is amazing. I know. But it's not like, that's just kind of, this is like the beginning of their, like, actual relationship. And then it's like, oh, it's on hold. Han's frozen. Come back next time. Okay. So those are kind of my two major, these are huge plot points that get wrapped up. And then on top of that, you get the whole, okay, Vader wins this time. He takes Luke's hand off. He doesn't, like, that's, that comes to a head, kind of, like. Vader finding Luke comes to a head, but there's still, oh, there's more to be seen for this. Like, this is not, there's nothing gets resolved here. Well, yeah, you, you certainly don't, with the Vader thing real quick, the, the confrontation between Vader and Luke, the, the real the real moment, the real pinnacle of that in Empire isn't even the, the hand being cut off, it's it's the father it's the, Yeah. And, um, spoiler alert if you, if you don't know, <laughs> um, and uh, that certainly doesn't get picked up on again until... Until later so on. I feel like there's some there's some threads there that are definitely left open and and the weird thing is that Empire is just kind of like Luke gets his hand cut off he's like Leia come pick me up and they go and pick him up and then he gets a new hand and the movie's done there's no like from a simple story structure standpoint which is hard to talk about because as you said Nick there's not a lot of it's very character driven like and that's awesome but it's so character driven that traditional story structure, you know, you, you reach the climax and there's falling action. It feels like there's not even any falling action in this movie. It's just like climax, cut, done. Luke's got a new hand. Okay, come back next week. So I... I'm the only one here that completely agrees with Whedon. And I've, like, <laughs> Empire's my least favorite. Not to say that I don't like it. But... It just feels unfinished. Like, there's... Even even on the stance of, like... There's a lot of, a lot that happens. There's a lot more world building. There's a lot more getting to know these characters. There's a ton of that. And it's all awesome. And it's a great movie. But it does not resolve anything. There's no major resolution. There's no, like... Like, even in the beginning. It's like, here's Hoth. There's nothing at the beginning of the movie that makes it to the end. That's like, here, this is wrapped up in a nice, neat bow. Hmm. Not that there needs to be. But, not that there needs to be in my opinion, but in Joss Whedon's opinion, he goes to a movie to see a complete story. I feel like, I feel like Empire has a story to it, but it's not, there's so many things that are like, check out this bridge we're building to the next one. That's just, that's how I feel about it. And I feel like he's right about that. Whether or not it's good, whether or not it's, it's, uh you know, conducive to filmmaking. It's it certainly made a very interesting movie. It's certainly awesome that we're still talking about this 30 years later. But, I don't know. Anybody want to refute any points? Can we move on to Temple of Doom? I think that there's an... I will just say that I think that maybe you're casting too wide of a net in terms of the things that are introduced at the beginning of the movie and resolved by the end. You're looking for some huge world-changing... First act, here's the big bad guy. Final act, he's dead he's or dead. in prison or whatever. Because at the beginning of the movie, you get the introduction of the tension between Han and Leia. You get Luke trying to no, decide that came if, from he's, the first if movie. he's even... No. Yes, it did. It's, it's flirting at best. <laughs> I still think it's there. That's no, I don't count that at all. Like there, you. That's that's just okay. one off. That's I two. will not. I will not argue with Han and Leia. That is a very clear. Here's this relationship starts here and ends there. Okay. It's clearly been yeah. Right. It starts the and then Luke just pursuing Jedi training seriously starts at the beginning of Empire, and you have the team getting disbanded at the beginning of Empire, and by the third by the end of the movie, all three of those have been addressed. Han and Leia's relationship has turned into something pretty serious. Clearly, they love each other, and one of them knows it, and. 
that is kind of enough of a resolution for that chapter. Like, even if he died and they never met again, they would at least, like, that moment would be there. At least they both know that they actually both love somebody. Okay. And Luke has gone off. He has made contact with the original Jedi OG boss and has at least started his path. Yeah, started his path down the road to becoming a Jedi. And... The team is brought back together at the end, except for Han, but at least they're back together at some point, and then he's whisked away again. <laughs> but at least at the beginning of the movie, they're all disbanded, and at the end, they, they coalesce again. So I think that there are... if you, you could break down the Star Wars trilogy in all three movies. You could lay out arcs that start in New Hope and end at Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You could do little arcs for each movie. You could do arcs that carry over from one of the two to the other. Like It's a trilogy that you can dissect for all of its arcs, because really it was the first of its kind. It was a, a whole new animal. But I like even the, I like I like the Ewoks. We're talking about this too much. We're not going to get to talk about Temple of Doom very much. Yeah, I'm done. But it, I I don't I still don't agree with what you're saying. Like the whole everybody gets disbanded, then they're brought back, and then Han gets taken away. Like I, the thing of it is, like if you're the way I see it with both comments, if you're going to say something like that, you need to back it up concretely, and you need to really think about what you're saying because it's going to get published, and a million people are going to read it. And the the very fact of it is, I think it's pretty irrefutable that the movie has an ending. Technically, mechanically, the movie has a close. The movie does not just stop. To say that the movie doesn't end is kind of stupid. Well, all movies have an ending. The Sopranos doesn't have an ending. (laughs) But all movies do finish at some point. I think that there are... There are clear, clear, like, this is like, we're stopping it here, and, you know, there's more to it at the end of that. But... I'm just happy he didn't diss battle for Endor. <laughs> Is that the Ewok adventure? I, I'm just saying, if you want to criticize the structure of the ending of a movie, that's totally fair game. If you say, like, the, the interviewer even gives him the opportunity and says, so you don't like the ending? And he goes, it's not an ending. Bro, the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> the movie has an ending. I used to if have you a don't like the walk. ending, if you don't like the way the ending is carried out or, you know, certain aspects of it that are left a little open-ended... Or, you know, that's one thing. But I don't think anybody can really say that Empire doesn't have an ending. But apparently someone does. Two people do. <laughs> Me and Whedon. I no, I, okay, we're not even going to talk about Temple of Doom at this point. I don't... Oh, are we going to talk about Ewoks? <laughs> oh, Ewoks? Yeah. No. Written by Jim, no Ewoks. Jim and Ken Wheat. Jim and Ken Wheat <laughs> of uh, Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick fame. No, it's... I don't know. Let's take I a, get. Let's I get... Ho- let me let me just say it's this is his opinion about the movie and yes it's good to have proof but the interviewer wasn't like please state your claims sir it was a here's this offhand comment which wasn't even in reference to the avengers 2 like all of the articles have made it seem to be sure taken taken out of this tiny little interview where that wasn't even the focus it was like a quick here's what i like it was an offhand comment from an answer to a completely different question. So it's not, he didn't come to this prepared, like with, at the table with his thesis on why. I mean, clearly it's bothered him for 25 years. You think you would have a little more to say about it? I'm just saying. <laughs> but he has a little more to say, but he's there to be interviewed about sure. whatever the, the interviewer asks him about. Can we not talk about this anymore? <laughs> no! No! Mom and, mom and dad are fighting. <laughs> we cannot. All right. Can we please we address, have, can we get a minute apiece on this Temple of Doom thing real quick? And like, we have two minute. minutes and 41 seconds to talk about it. So Temple of Doom, he doesn't like the fact that it calls back to the first movie. Tim. His main point is right. The pop the culture has become a bunch of stupid pop culture references to stuff that a lot of time isn't a good joke. Yep. I think he misremembered the scene, which is what I did, because the scene is barely a joke. Like, okay. it's barely like... <laughs> Alright, Willie. It barely registers his humor. <laughs> if anything, that's the least, like, egregious callback to stuff in Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. There's, like, bigger ones in there. Like, the snake moment. Tipping his hat to the snake and running like Han Solo and all that stuff. Okay. So there's actually worse moments. But I still like that movie. Alright, Nick. Uh, Tim pretty much hit the nail on the head. I, I agree with his broad... Again, I agree with his broad point of what he's saying, kind of with the Empire line as well. But I think it's a really poor example, and I think it's a weird its a weird thing to say when you've got this huge sequel looming on the horizon, which is clearly going to have callbacks, which is clearly built on something else, which is clearly going to be derivative of a lot it's, of other it's things. It's built on something else, like a sequel is by function, but we don't know if it's going to have callbacks. And he actually says a sequel needs to stand on it. What does he say? He the says, direct quote? 
A sequel has to stand on One its minute, own. One minute, 30 and, seconds, he and says. Can't, can't, the what? thing is, it can't feel like episode two. That's the important thing. A sequel has to be its own movie. There was another part of that, though. Um, I don't know what it was. You can't build... He said something about... It can't a movie expand. has to be complete within itself. It can't just build off the first one or play variations. And that's what's interesting, is because that's a sequel by definition, like you just said. It's a very weird... No. I conveniently have the Webster's Dictionary <laughs> definition of sequel. Give me one second. <laughs> a published, broadcasted, or recorded work that continues the story or develops the theme of an earlier one. It's a prequel. Mr. Webster <laughs> right, raises Mr. <laughs> Mr. Webster raises issue with you, Mr. Whedon. So acting like he acting like he was self aware about that. He's, oh, I've done this before. Makes no sense because it's a prequel. Tim Tim illuminated me to that. Yeah, but by, the whole issue. I is... build off the first one. He's saying here's this little moment, which he calls a moment of Temple of Doom. And I'm not like, even talking about Temple. Can't of Doom do anymore. this. Like this is like talking in context of what he says. He's obviously a sequel is going to have characters from the first movie or something like that. Which we can talk about a bit with Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to eat like five minutes off of the end of Chronicles of Riddick here because I want to talk a little bit more about this. I didn't even get to like, I don't know. I don't even know. Yes, there are better examples of this. But he's saying this is a moment that happened and now all of culture is becoming this. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's not like, here's this, car- he doesn't call this one out as a cardinal sin. He's like, here's this moment from Indiana Jones that I didn't like, and all of Star Trek Into Darkness became this. Like, he didn't say that. But he's saying that we're very much, like, here was my my whole thing about it, is that if you're going to take your movie and aim it at, like, look at the Hangover sequels. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, if you're going to take a sequel and just be like, Here's these jokes from the first one that we're going to kind of recycle. You kind of not only undercut your sequel and what it could have been, but you're just telling the same joke over again. And that's that's useless. I think the fact that he picked a he picked a he picked an example that's very dear to your heart has gotten you more enraged over this than you really ever need to be. No, the thing is I'm not I'm not really enraged. I just disagree on such a fundamental level because I think it's pretty wrong. I mean, because it's something so near and dear to not only my heart, but pretty much all of nerd culture's hearts is the reason it, it got any notoriety. It's, it's an opinion, though. How can an opinion be wrong? I'm not even necessarily disagreeting with what what he said, the exact phrase. I just think it's a really shitty example. And I think it's a, to make a to make a great argument, like, I, I do agree with his with his broad point, like Tim even said initially. I think it is a very pro- it is a big problem in in culture in general, like he even says. But to pick that example is pretty whack, and dare I say, kind of wrong in a way because it's 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 so different from what he's talking about now. He's talking about the Hangover Twos. He's talking about the Family Guys. He's talking about that stuff, which is so immersed in our modern everyday culture on on every strata. To talk about a joke in a contained series with the same author of the series. As a callback to the first part, it's it's so not at all what he's even talking about anymore. That if mm. if if Indiana Jones would be like, hey, hey, Winnie, remember the time in the first movie when I pulled out my gun? <laughs> you think that's bad? But they did exactly. <laughs> but they didn't do that, and they didn't do that in the Hangover Two that I didn't ever I never saw. Like it's, but that's that's not. He's not talking about that either. He's taught like, and it's this is such like, it's a tiny moment. It's a moment where he is like, here's this thing that happens. And we're now getting movies that just do that. He's not even saying, like, for all we know, he laughed at this joke. And he thinks it's funny. But he was like, here's this moment of referencing back to something outside of the movie. Which you may or may not argue is what was intended. That's a whole other argument that we can have. I think a lot of that is in how people read it. Yeah, totally. And yes, it may stand on... It might be funny because the first thing was funny on its own. The second thing will be kind of funny on its own, too. But... it's This is all about the larger point. He was like, here's this tiny moment that... He's not saying this is the grandfather of all of the issues that pop culture has today. Well, and like like I said, this is the last thing I'll say. Like I said when we talked about the other day, my issue at this point isn't even necessarily with what his original line, but more with 
how it was blown up in certain articles, and people were taking it and, as gospel. Uh, well, okay, and I <laughs> like, want, I, like I said, it's a, this is a, this is a bigger problem. I hope I hope you this this is a problem with journalism since journalism has existed sure. as a medium and. Uh, like I hope you don't take that as Josh Whedon needs to think of his opinions before he says them because people are going to blow them up. I do think that's true, though. I think he's if you're... done. You know, I will say he's done. He said stuff like that before. Like he he does like to, and I don't have a problem with it. I think it's kind of funny. But like he's, he, <laughs> but he has. He a wants tat- to stir the pot. Stir the pot a little. I think it's all right. But uh, he also. It, I misremembered the scene totally because, like, when I first heard, I was in a rage to Willie. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, he's totally right!" Like, I totally <laughs> forgot. Like, I thought like Indiana Jones winked at the camera at the end and it was like did a dance, but like he totally does. did a like, dance. Like, it's just so I won't go any further. Okay, all right, we're done. Let's done. Pitch Black, Pitch Black, directed by David Tui, starring Vin Diesel and a bunch of other people, including Cole Hauser and uh, Keith David. Rod Ham Mitchell. Red hair. Are we going to talk about these two separately, or... Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess that makes sense, because they're spoilers, two totally different animals. Spoilers start immediately for probably both movies, Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick. Um, synopsis of Pitch Black from IMDb says, A group of maroon space travelers struggle for survival on a seemingly lifeless, sun-scorched world. Okay. <laughs> so, Tim, how do you feel about Pitch Black? Um, I like... I like this movie. I haven't seen it since. Sorry, that synopsis threw me off. Like I thought it was going to be way longer. Nope. Uh, no. Um, no. Just wait for the second one. I forgot. Yeah. How do you synopsize the? Um, yeah, I forgot how much I like this. This is a good movie. This is a good, solid, straightforward science fiction movie. Wish it was a little shorter. It could have came in around the ninety-minute mark, a little leaner. I wouldn't have minded it, but it's still, um, it's still really solid. All the the characters are all pretty interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. none of them are all. You, you don't get tired of seeing them. This is kind of Vin's kind of breakout role. I think he was in he was in Saving Private Ryan, um, and then Boiler Room. I, he had a pretty decent role in. I thought he's good in that too. But this is his first. I remember this is his first kind of breakout role, even before the Fast movies. Um, it's good. The effects don't. They're not, not too bad. They're not bad. I don't. I mean, they don't bother me because they do a nice job of kind of hiding it, mm-hmm. and then. Using a lot of camera tricks to hide some of the budget problems. Not problems, but... Um, Deficiencies. Well, there you go. Um, but, yeah. I liked it. I liked it more than I remember. Okay. Willie. Pitch Black. I like Pitch Black. Um, <laughs> it's a good movie. No, I, I remember running it like back when it first came out. and I liked it then, and I thought it was kind of a... At the time, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. It reminded me of like, um, like Aliens and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it actually, technically, was originally part of the Alien franchise, so... Makes sense, but no, I really enjoyed it. It's like like Tim said, the characters are all kind of cool. They're all unique and interesting, and I I genuinely feel bad when when most of them get dispatched in horrible ways. And you don't see that a lot with these kind of movies. All the time you're like, whatever. Or yeah. they kill yes, a kid please. pretty early, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they set the tone. Yeah, this 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 movie does not take. They are equal opportunity killers in this movie. <laughs> um, and equal opportunity <clears throat> survivors. And the good thing too is I think Vin's surrounded by a pretty solid cast. Yeah. Um, and and that helps, I think. That helps for him because I don't think he was super experienced certainly at this point, and and uh, he's kind of a goofball, you know. Vin's Vin's a goofy dude, so he needs a little needs somebody to lift him up above the grunting and the growling every <laughs> once in a while. So. All right, Nick, pitch black. Uh, pretty much what those two guys said. I really like it. I'd like it more and more each time I see it. I think it, uh, like Willie said, it's it's such a breath of fresh air even now, like until like thirteen years later. But I remember seeing it years and years and years ago and being like this feels very fresh it's like one of those great new properties where you can see the the dna where they pulled from but it's it feels like a very fresh cool property and the care the character especially the character of riddick is such a he's so throwbacky to like really anti-hero type stuff but at the same mm-hmm. time he's fresh enough that you're like really into it and it really feels like one of those characters that nobody else really can play like it's it very the character takes advantage of pretty much everything vin diesel has to offer which you know whether you think that's a lot or not uh, is <laughs> totally up to you. But I think uh, he's he's really good in the role. I think he's good in the movie. He's got a lot more <clears throat> charisma in that movie than I think he does in most other movies I've seen him in. He clearly is really into that character and that universe. And it's just, I love the, the like Tim said, the clever ways of, of production hiding like lower budgets or poor CGI or finding ways to make the world look unique and like the architecture and the kind of mythology look unique. 
And the opening crash sequence is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, it still holds up. It looks pretty real the entire time. It's done in a really, really good way. It just feels like a really cool, competently made, nice, lean, with with very satisfying characters and, and little character arcs for, for some of them. It's pretty cool stuff. Well, I like it a lot. I think it's one that I'm surprised I don't own currently. Yeah. All right, this is my first viewing of Pitch Black. Um, I kind of wish it wasn't under the lens of the fact that it's a series. Because I feel as though I would have appreciated it more standalone. Um, it does feel very much like it's trying to be more of like an alien movie than it would be a science fiction movie. Like, Alien's very much horror thriller with the backdrop of sci-fi, which is what Pitch Black does. And that's why, <clears throat> that's why I feel like it was a poor jumping off point for a franchise, but we'll get to that later. Um, Character-wise, pretty awesome. Like, Riddick, Riddick is interesting. I just, I really wish, like, from the lens of a sci-fi movie, I wish that we could have gotten more about, like, I really look for world-building when it comes to sci-fi. And thinking of this as, like, the beginning of a sci-fi series, I was like, where is, like, I don't know when this is, why is there Jack Daniels and Cools involved? Like, like these, like, it, it there's a lot, like, they, they play f kind of fudgy with all of these details, and that's okay, it's fine, it does okay with this movie, and it doesn't really matter, but it sets itself up for failure later on. Um, I think, let's see, what else did I have down here? I think the movie's weakest feature is probably the script. I think the dialogue could have been punched up a bit by somebody whose last name isn't Wheat or Tui. But um it's not it's not like a major sticking point. There's nothing where I'm like, oh where I have done that for like some movies recently. <laughs> um, but no, it was it was it was good, and it was interesting knowing that... I, like, I remember hearing back in the day... I remember my brothers talking about this movie, being like, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> and, and uh, like, the, before there was even, like, a sequel coming out or anything like that. And I, I just remember being like, hmm. And they were talking about it, and I was like, this is nothing like what I would have expected out of this movie. And, and, and I think it, it does feel like a movie that was very fresh. Even today, it's, you don't see a lot of movies that try to do this, or that that attempt to use science fiction as a backdrop rather than uh, rather than fully feature it. And that's, I, you know, interestingly, we could talk about something like Looper, which I feel like end up, ends up doing that. And, and, you know, things like Alien. But um, all in all, pretty good. Um, don't necessarily love it as much as you guys do yet, but that doesn't mean there isn't room for it to grow when I... Learn to ignore Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> I learn. should I should I should say we double featured both of these last night back to back. I um, wonder if we had taken a day break in between and talked a little bit, or like a week if we had watched one and talked about it and then watched Chronicles. If you would have liked the first one, it'd be interesting. It. It'd be interesting. I still feel like I would be thinking about it as a as the first entry in a series, which is weird because it's really not. It's like not. It's, it doesn't try to do that at yeah. all. It's very much a hey, this movie did well. Let's put Riddick in another movie. So, I think that's this is a good point to go and and move into our. <laughs> we used eight minutes of our twenty on that one, so it's <laughs> going to be a super short episode today, guys. Not really. We'll figure out some. Oh, we have a bunch of no. Never mind. What's, what's what? happening what right now? I was, I was going to bring up Tim's feedback, but we're not going to read it on an episode that Tim's Yeah, on. this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Tim, leave the room. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Any any final thoughts on Pitch Black? Did we want to, like... Um, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit. If okay. We can. Willie brought up that this was originally a script for Alien 3. Mm -hmm. Am I right on that? Mm -hmm. I was wondering how you guys thought it would... Because I personally think that no matter... I don't like Alien 3, but no matter what came after Aliens, I think was going to have a large hill to climb, and I kind of wondered how this would hold up as, like, if this was Alien 3. Like, do you think it would be as... Because I think it's got a decent reputation now, but do you think it would be crapped on? If it was an more? Alien sequel? If, it, if, this was, if this was Alien 3. Um, well, I think, I, you know, I haven't ever read... I, I'm obsessed with Alien 3, 
and I don't know why. Um, I don't like it, but I'm obsessed with the production story and everything. And I have never read the Tui script for Alien Three. I don't know if it's out there or not. It probably is. Um, and from what I understand, it I think it features the character of Riddick. I think Riddick is the main character in it. And it was actually it was a woman. Was it a female? Yeah. In the, okay, but, but it wasn't. See, it wasn't Ripley. Riddick. No, it wasn't. I don't, Ripley and and that stuff wasn't even in the script. But Riddick was an entirely different character. Okay, yeah. but Riddick was in it. Because yeah. I was thinking, it, well, not know, under not the name Riddick. It was a. But in that the, in that role, there was a female. Right, character, but it's the yes. same thing. Basically. Yes, yes, right. yes, yes. So that I mean, I don't know. I think I would have. For I don't know personally, I I think I would have appreciated. A, like a deviation of the alien formula more than I would have appreciated what we got with, okay. with Alien 3, which kind of felt like a a very confused um, version of Alien to yeah. me. Um, and, and it's funny because you can actually see elements of this movie in Alien 3, little bits, the the, the prison stuff, and the, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? There's little bits here that, that the crash at the beginning and stuff feels like a little Alien 3. Like they might have taken little bits from Tui's script and throwing them in there. There might actually be one or two death scenes that are similar to Alien 3. I, I don't... When did Alien 3 come out? 90, 93. 93, okay. Yeah. So, that, that script, this script was sitting around for a long time. Yes. Yeah, it was. And I think he, he certainly had to tinker it to make it his own thing. And I don't know how... I guess I've never read the, the original, but I, I don't know. I think I would have enjoyed this more... I, I appreciate that this isn't an Alien movie. I'm totally yeah. cool with it being its own thing. And it's probably, it's probably better that way. But if it was Alien 3, I would be okay with that. I would have been okay with with them ending the the storyline of Alien Aliens where it was. I mean, interestingly enough, you could just strictly copy and paste like assets of Aliens into this movie, and it would be like you could be like, "This is a new Alien movie. It features the Xenomorph." Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you took the like, design of the Xenomorph and pl- pe- like pasted it onto what they have yeah. in here, I don't even know. What they, do they have a name for these aliens or no? They're called uh, Bioraptors. Bioraptors, I like. I did it. some research last night. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would totally still work. Yeah, it's I. Yeah, you could. It, it, it could be a. Like I a wonder if sequel. it would have been different enough though, because it is very much like Alien and Aliens kind of combined. So I wonder if if this had been Alien Three, if it had come out and people would have been like, "That's kind of the first two, just with different characters." Mm-hmm. Like I wonder. I wonder if, what Joss Whedon would think about this. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's interesting because he he wrote and submitted the script for consideration for Alien Three in 1988, which is wow, like two years after Alien, right? Like right around the time they were probably like, should we make a sequel to that? And mm-hmm. like, and it got we passed. See on. if that script is around. And it got passed on, and obviously they went. Lo- they were hunting for a script for years. I know that the Vince even weird that he sat on this one for like 12 years, or probably just put it away and was like they didn't want that. And I wonder. I'm really curious about the history between Tui and Vin Diesel because yeah. clearly they're buds and like they've worked together to try to build this into their own mm-hmm. special franchise that the three the two of them are have been involved in for all phases of it. I wonder if they met and talked about old script ideas because Vin was a writer director too before Saving Private Ryan. And I wonder if they met at something and talked about old ideas and he brought it up and Vin was like, That sounds cool. Like, did you ever think about reviving it and maybe tune I just I, I would love to know the history of it. It's kind Kickstarter of for Tui Diesel, the story of Vin Diesel <laughs> Tui and Diesel. David Tui. <laughs> um, I feel like I had something else to say on this topic. Instead, we're going to sit here for eight minutes. So. I, I think my only com- like my only complaints about Pitch Black are... I mean, some of the effects don't quite hold up, for sure. But that's... I don't know, that's not really a fair... I, Looking at it now, some of them don't hold up. Interestingly um, enough, I think they hold up better than they do in Chronicles of Riddick. They don't was... try to do as much as... You know what I mean? They're it's, not trying yeah. to, to be as ridiculous. They they play to their advantages. They're like, wait, we don't have a huge budget. Let's make the movie take place at night. And we can't really see the creatures. Like, yeah. It's whether by design or by accident. It's, it worked out like well. Like halfway through the script, he was like, shit, there's too many suns. Let's block them all out. <laughs> Wait, we'll call it Pitch Black. Um, and then I, uh, I'm, I, I was always a little bummed when, um, when the John's character exits. You know, because I, I, I want, I don't know, I wanted that to, I wanted that relationship between the two of them. I'm not saying they need to like hug it out at the end or anything, but I wanted it to end more than just the generic. Let's fight each other until one of us is it dead. It feels like a very weird vacillation between like, oh. You know, I hate well, they you. You're gonna stay up. locked up, and then he's like, "No, we kind of need you." And it's just kind of like, and then just, they just start fighting. Yeah. You know, they, there was never the, the conclusion of that was a little bit underwhelming. Cause I actually really like, um, like uh, Hauser in this. Cole Hauser, yeah, yeah, good. 
And and I, I like the two together, so I wish we could have seen a little bit more of that. I think the um, interesting, interesting thing about it... Just go to the prequel, Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> since right. you mentioned that. Um, the, I think the real antagonist in the movie, though, or not antagonist, but force of antagonism to Riddick is the captain, is Rodham Mitchell's character. Oh, sure, absolutely. I mean, he's not. it's not like, you know, Hauser's like the main villain of this movie or anything, but I just... I think it would have been more interesting to do a little bit more with those two. To, to I mean, I'm totally fine with that with the way they took him out. I wasn't ever angry at it, but I was like, I feel like there's more there in that relationship that we could they could have like. I think it's cool how they how they lay down like the down. the breadcrumbs of like these guys have a bit of a history. Mm-hmm. Like, and I would have liked to have seen seen a little bit more, not seen more of that, but maybe like <clears throat> explored more of that a little bit. It's very weird that they went forward, that they went to a sequel rather than a prequel. Mm. Yeah, they could have I, done I feel like there's so many questions about who Riddick is that it would have been more interesting and a lot easier to go backward. To I would like, I would watch the Butcher Bay movie. Like, yeah, about him, like there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot laid down, and I, I was I was reading a lot about the the movies last night and this morning. There's a lot laid down about who Riddick is in Pitch Black that's dropped, sprinkled so throughout the movie that you almost don't catch it all. Mm-hmm. But there is kind of a lot about his his past and where he's from. In Pitch Black, I think you might catch more of it. I on might the not have heard it because Vin Diesel was speaking yeah, so very frequency. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, your ears can't register. <laughs> my big the the O moment that I just had was that, interestingly enough related to Alien Three. I wish that instead of Colm Fiore, we had Charles Dance. <laughs> yes. <In> Chronicles. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's I'm sure there's a lot of I wish we had Charles Dances throughout film history. <laughs> Oh, and my favorite, my favorite shot of the movie is that sweet, that moment when the totally. wine, Mr. Wine guy, like, blows a fireball, and yeah. there's, like, a billion of those things around him. That's and it's, it's, cool. it's the follow-up of that scene, too, because I love, I love the, um, the fact that a lot of the times you're not seeing the violence, like, as it's being done, you're seeing the aftermath, which is always creepier to me in a movie. Oh, for sure. Like, that, that's always scarier. That's why Jurassic Park, for the most part, is... Did we watch know. the unrated version? We, we did. did. I think the one thing I noticed that was different from the last time I watched this was was Cole Hauser's um, death scene was much okay. gorier than the first time okay. I'd seen it. I think there's a little bit added to the scene between him and the captain, too, when she catches him doping, basically, on painkillers. I think there's a yeah. little bit more there, that sounds which right. I think is good. Okay, Tim, you had something? Did I? Maybe. Huh? Of course you did. <laughs> no, I don't really have much more. Uh, Keith David's ridiculous in this. Um, oh yeah, the uh, oh the, yeah, the little boy girl thing worked on me. I forgot all about it. Jack. Yeah, yeah totally like the, forgot the swerve. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's right. She was she's a girl the whole time, and then at least it, Cole Hauser says because she starts bleeding, which I'm actually kind of. I kind of thought that was like, I'm like that's kind of color. And then Cole Hauser goes stick a cork in her. I'm like, it's <laughs> disgusting, Cole Hauser. <laughs> gross. So. <laughs> so. It's definitely interesting when you, when you talk about how gross Cole Hauser is, because at the beginning yeah. of the movie, all these people are pretty much strangers to each other, and it's mm-hmm. cool that the audience is as well, and then their personalities slowly branch out throughout the course of the movie until you've kind of got a lock on exactly what type of person they are. And it's interesting, because uh, Riddick kind of has it figured out from the very beginning. Like, he there, he has this scene where he's talking to the captain oh, that's, yeah. in the cockpit, and he basically says, he lays out pretty much exactly what happens in the movie, because he's kind of a weirdly good judge of character by being the worst type of human possible. He's like, uh, that guy's going to do that, and you're going to do that, and that's how it's going to happen, and it does. I think the movie does a really cool twist at the end by having her go, you know, get get snared by, by one of the aliens. Yeah, that messed me up the first time I saw that. I, oh, yeah, even That and Deep Blue Sea, dude. When In Deep Blue Sea, <laughs> when... Jackson. Spoiler alert! No, 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 not the Sam Jackson. There's there's a there's a death... Does it really care? No, we're no. spoiling Deep Blue Sea. See Deep Blue Sea immediately if you haven't seen Deep Blue Sea. Why are you listening? Watch it. <laughs> There's a there's a death scene at the end of Deep Blue Sea where like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like I remember as a kid being like no you can't do that you almost made it generally people don't care but it's always good to mark your spoilers a little bit so Deep Blue Sea is awesome <laughs> spoiler I've never seen Deep Blue Sea and I would have left the room if you would have no but there's, if there's... we take a break during this podcast recording I'm gonna make sure Alex watches Deepest Bluest by LL Cool J. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you've already played it like 12 times. I'm going to play it again. <laughs> no breaks. We're only at an hour. We can make it through this. It's cool. That I think I think it's really cool with Pitch Black how much there is to talk about. Like We could keep talking about more. There's there's an unusual 
there's there's I think there's a lot like your your comment about like you prefer more world world building and stuff in a movie. I think if you watch it again, you'll kind of get a lot more out of it because there is a lot of stuff there that is kind of dropped throughout the movie. That a lot of stuff that I was noticing this time around, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like there's just little. It's small and it's sparse, but it's there. It's kind of yeah. neat. Um, I think the movie's kind of cool for that. Like it's it's just such a it's a refreshing movie to watch because it kind of the way it's written is simple enough that. It's just easy to pop on and watch, but it's so refreshing. You kind of cleanse your palate of like a lot of the crap you watch now, and just be like, "Here is an example. It can it can happen." It's like mm-hmm. a District Nine, ten years, nine years before District Nine happened. It's one of those sci-fi movies that came out and is fresh enough and just competently made and told, and there's cool like original characters in it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's definitely one of those movies I will probably cycle into my, you know, annually. I'll watch it at some point. All right. That sums up our pitch black talk. Straight on to the Chronicles of Riddick. Um, he said with much noted enthusiasm. <laughs> so, four years later, we get the Chronicles of Riddick, also directed by David Toohey, also starring Vin Diesel, but also Colm Fiore, Thaney Newton, Ghost Dench, Judy Dench, uh, Carl Urban, and uh, some... Alexa Davalos, can you click on her name real quick? Alexa Davalos and uh, Keith David once and again. And Nick Chinland. Um, okay. So, okay. back to our, <laughs> back to this synopsis. Five years after Pitch Black, the wanted criminal Riddick arrives on a planet called Helion Prime and finds himself up against an invading empire called the Necromongers, an army that plans to convert or kill all humans in the universe. Even the synopsis doesn't sound like it belongs in the same universe. Nope. It also isn't really like, I don't know, it's weird. That's the synopsis <laughs> for the first 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, and it's not even super accurate, at least. Yeah. Like, the necromongers wanting to convert all humans, kill or convert all humans. It's convert just, them into what? Yeah, and it doesn't want to kill them all. It, it, I don't know, it's weird. It does want to kill them if it doesn't convert them. Yeah. Nick, did you watch this movie? <laughs> no, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's just, there's, there's right, too much. All right, all right. Yeah. Back to the top. Tim. Too much. Tim. How do you feel oh, about we're gonna, Chronicles of Riddick? We're going to start with me, huh? Yep. Um, this movie's not very good. I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> I liked it more than I did the first time I saw it. I'm going to stick up for it a little bit because we bitched about it a little at the beginning of this episode. One of the people's main complaints about sequels is it's just more of the same, more of the same. You can't make that argument with this movie. <laughs> like That's you can't. Very there, true. there is some ambition in this movie. It doesn't make any sense. This movie, I've always said, and I, I still stand by it. This movie is way too stupid to be as confusing as it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's no reason for this. Um, basically, what I my theory on what happened what, from what I had gathered. Ben is a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan, mm-hmm. and this was like his moment to like take one of his characters because Ben was huge at the time, and like make kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons like epic space movie with his boy, <laughs> and like somehow they convinced Universal to do this. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know how because Ben had the power at the time, <laughs> and he made it. And um, no, but <laughs> I do kind of like it in a way. The middle section in the prison is what I remember most. I haven't seen it since theater, but that's the I have caught bits and pieces of it on like TNT, and that's the part I kind of stopped by for the most. Um, I do appreciate, and it's not as good as a movie, but it does have a feel of kind of like a John Carter type deal, where it kind of feels like an old like sci-fi like ten cent book. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of like a like an old All right. book like that. It's kind that's what they're going for. It's not successful, <laughs> but um, the biggest problem with this, and I'll, I'll be kind of quick, I think the biggest thing that hampers this movie is the fact that they do give, I like Pitch Black, Riddick and Pitch Black, because he has no real, he has little bits of background, but they don't go overboard with it. Mm-hmm. I don't like this because it takes Riddick and gives him like a destiny, which is so stupid. Like, Riddick does not need a destiny. This is a bigger... I'm going to go all Whedon here for a second. Like, this is a giant problem in a lot of stories these days. Not every character needs to have a destiny. <laughs> I, I want to see Riddick... Like, I want to see Riddick be Riddick like um, like Bronson in space. Or, like, Wolverine. Like, he's just really good at hurting people. Like, that's his <laughs> thing. And, like, now he's in this... Now he's out of his element. He's fighting 
necromag. <laughs> the names of this are so stupid. Like, this is a stupid movie. But, but it feels, I don't know, it feels like Vin went on a sugar high and, like, wrote this. He's like, I'm gonna put him in space prison. I'm gonna do this. Necromongers, let's do this. So, like, I appreciate it as, like, a nerdy 12-year-old sat down and wrote the script. And this is what we got. I'm done rambling. But I liked it a little more. It's not very good, though. Tim's rating scale is fascinating. <laughs> I liked it a little more. It's not good, though. How does it match up to After Earth, Tim? Oh, it's better. Come on now. Come on <laughs> All now. right, all right. Really? <laughs> I don't know how I follow that up, guys. That was amazing, Tim. It was pretty good. Um, <clears throat> Thank you for listening to the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. Yeah, seriously, that's We're it. We're closing our doors forever. Um, <laughs> Chronicles of Riddick is just, it's, it's really strange because all of that stuff, like you guys talked about on the prison feels like a natural sequel mm-hmm. to the first movie and then everything else feels like it was just ripped from a different script and like thrown in there and it's it's, it's like it's weirdly bookended it's by like totally different material it is it feels like two completely different ideas two two completely different movies like just fighting each other for time on screen. It's like Tui had one idea and Vin had another, and they're like, let's do it both! <laughs> Best friend's secret handshake! Yeah, something like that. I don't know. It, Tui Diesel. But all of the stu- stuff with the with the necromongers and the weird floating space head penis things, and... There are some... Like... Pretty just phallic movies. The, yeah. The look, the look of, the, of the characters, of the necromonger characters, and just... The motivations of them are so, like, fantasy-looking. They don't look sci-fi to me. They it's look a, like fantasy sci-fi. They look whole... like... They look like... I, I don't even know how to... Like, what... They, they look ridiculous. They don't if, look... If you added that whole race together, they'd still be a one-dimensional character. That's... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you... Do the characters from Pitch Black... Like, like kind of the... the the Joe Schmoes of Pitch Black, which seem like relatively normal people that just happen to live in the future where you can live in space, right? Mm-hmm. Do they seem like they live in a universe full of, like, a terrifying alien race that goes no. and puts weird and elementals. Neck, <laughs> neck wounds on people and, like, turns them into pale, goth, gargoyle head? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I, I don't get it. If it was, like, if this movie took place, like, a million years after Pitch Black, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, the Necromongers exist now. <laughs> I'd be like, alright, that's fine. We're like it's really only five years and Keith David has somehow learned to live on a completely different planet. It's absurd. The whole thing. I like, I mean, I don't know. And a lot of the stuff that's like, a lot of the stuff that they lift from, from Pitch, like that they carry over from Pitch Black, like the Keith David character, and then um, the Jack. The two things. Jack and Keith. The, those yeah, are, the yeah. two things, yeah. Mostly just feel kind they of... They don't sh- even carry Riddick over from Pitch Black. No, Riddick's a totally different person. He's really out of water. <laughs> they feel kind of shoehorned in there, too. You could tell by all the canted angles. <laughs> well, it, I wish... No, I really I'm wish. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> like, I wish they would have played... The fish out of water thing could have worked, like, <laughs> for me. Like, they don't play it up enough. Because the fact that they give him a destiny, he never feels like... You're like, oh, he's just gonna do it. Like, he's just got, like, he never feels like a fish out of water. They don't do a good job of making him, I don't know, different than, it's just, it doesn't. I totally agree with you, see what I'm though. saying? Yeah. I totally agree with the thing, because I, I, I agree. I, I didn't even think about it until you said it, but I, I'm totally sick of really cool, interesting characters that just live in a universe and do the things they do, having to become the prophesized one. It just yeah. gets so, like, stop. Like, I don't need every cool character in movie history or, or the history of you know, literature to become the chosen one. It just, right. it, like, we need characters who are just characters. That, like, Indiana Jones. Was Indiana Jones the chosen one? Did anybody ever prophesize he was going to save the world? Maybe no. in the fifth one. Probably, <laughs> we'll but, but... There's still time. You know what I'm saying, though? It doesn't, yeah. like, I mean, it works for some characters. Like, Luke Skywalker, it works for. Neo. Yeah, oh, totally. Neo from The Matrix. Neo from The Matrix yeah. arguably works, certainly, in yeah. the first movie. But, yeah. but... Not I, I every was, character yeah. needs to be. It's like it's like if they took Star Wars, and they made every character Han, Leia, Chewbacca destined to do something huge for the universe. That doesn't need to happen. That I don't need Chewie to fly into the sun and like ignite, reignite the sun or something because it, it was written in a book like two thousand years ago. Chronicles of Riddick could have, like what you guys are talking about, could have worked for me, 
Like if that's if that's the plot, if there is a chosen one, do it. Make it like Children of Men and make make Riddick Clive Owen. Yeah, that would. Yes, yeah, that would, make him make him the guardian of the chosen one. The yeah. thing the thing about strap a baby to his chest. Yeah, Nick, your thoughts on, on <laughs> the thing, yes. The thing that that really flaws it, like kind of what you guys are. It's just it's close. Like it's like all the the pieces are there. They just need to be realigned in a cohesive manner. Like it feels like a like you said a twelve year old kid. I first, think some of those pieces first could draft. be thrown out. Sure, sure, sure. If you yeah. replace the Necromongers like the broad... with an empire-like, a more militarized type, you know what I'm saying? That was Don't like make them gover- government overthrowing planets and stuff. I would buy that so much more. Like, I mean, it would take a lot of rewriting, but I, the Necromongers guys—they ruined this movie. <laughs> them and explain to me what Ghost Judy Dench is. <laughs> Somebody, why does she have weird like? Things I already explained this. She's the new sci-fi movie, Ghost Dench. <laughs> but what is she? I don't know. She's movie. an elemental. She's what a ghost. Bro, duh. That's a, that, that is a She's fantasy. a ghost form of Judy Dench. There's no... The problem, all right, the problem is, Vin's, Vin Riddick's uh, arc at the end of Pitch Black is kind of... It has a, a rounded ending. He's like, all right, I'm kind of a good guy now. Yeah. I understand the value of like some humans' lives. I kind of understand sacrifice. I kind of understand selflessness. And in Chronicles of Riddick, they don't they don't continue that or they don't redact that. He's just kind of floating there, drifting along. Like if they had had him continue that, it might have been kind of interesting if he's suddenly like this good, noble guy who's drawn back into a disgusting, ugly life of murder. If he's like sworn off killing and is like a trying to live a wholesome life, or if you have him be like, that was nice for that lady to do that, but I'm Riddick and I'm just bouncing and doing my own thing. And if in Chronicles of Riddick he's actively resisting being a good guy the whole time again, kind of like he was in Pitch Black, or at least in Pitch Black he's just kind of amused by the whole notion of it, he's just kind of watching it all play out. In Chronicles of Riddick, why, why, like why is he doing the things he's doing? Is it just to to meet up with Jack? But like why? It's whole. There's no. This is Alex's issue with Empire transplanted into another movie. Like. All the other massive, way bigger problems with Chronicles of Riddick aside, what is what is going on? <laughs> what is? Yeah. Well, no, and I mean the movie Why? starts off with him as Yeti Man and fucking Snow Planet. <laughs> Yeti Man. And I don't like. And I'm not. I'm not opposed. I think that the lot out of what we got out of the Chronicles of Riddick that we have, I think the logical thing would have been to take in the middle prison segment and maybe blow that up into a 90 minute movie. And just have a cool, moody, like, let's show Riddick back to basics in a prison, like a cool prison colony type thing, watching him interact. Colorful in inmates that he can interact sure. with. Sure. The, honestly, the cool, I think the the best thing they could do with the Riddick franchise, and I might sound like a jerk here, but I'm just going to say it, is to take existing, like, action movies and make them sci-fi versions of, like, make Space Rambo. I mean, seriously, though. Well, I was going to compare. I was going to compare Pitch Black to kind of Lockout, which is kind of the same idea, where you've got a lot of conventions of action movies, adventure movies, and you. It's genre mixing. Yes, sci-fi. It's action through the lens of sci-fi. And you've taken a lot of clear other influence, and you've made a, you've pressed it into a fairly original movie with a fairly original protagonist who's fun and interesting. Like Guy Pearce's character in that and Riddick are not super different like they would meet and probably try to kill each other but they might be buds and team up you never know but if they were you being, heard it here lockout <laughs> riddick confirmed if they were to to make a lockout too and try to blow up the mythology of that particular version of earth in the future and make snow like kind of an integral player in that i wouldn't resist it if it was done well just like if they wanted to do this broad epic ambitious chronicles of riddick thing and suddenly sweep uh, Riddick into this bigger conflict. I'm not opposed to it, but you just did it stupid by trying to make Wolverine into Superman. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. You tried to make Lobo, I guess is a better example, into <laughs> Superman. Here's the problem, is that they took two movies worth of world building and put it into the second movie. Like, I think I think it's, its fault is definitely its ambition. If they could have... They got excited, they were like, we can make a... They're going to let us make this movie... What are all the ideas we have? Yeah. And let's do all of them. Mm-hmm. Because we love... Like, I, I love their enthusiasm for the character and for the source material. I think it's really cool that they are making a third. I think it's awesome. Because, like Vin said, this franchise was dead. And he's like, it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for these factors, A, B, and C. And I think it's great that they're able to give another shot. And I'm really optimistic for it. I hope it's cool. Because it looks really callbacky to the to the first one, kind of in, in tone. But anyway... Uh, the ambition is definitely the problem. 
and it would have been a great it's one of those examples where you you need that you need that necessary evil you need that that producer you need that Harvey Weinstein saying we need to cut the shit we need to make this a watchable marketable likable yeah. movie I think part of it too is that that limitation factor I think that that real quality movies are often achieved through budgetary constraints and and oh yeah and i think pitch black was a was a child of that pitch black know? i think i think i read was 12 20 million 20, 20 or 12 million pretty low for the time and st- st- certainly even lower now and, and well I, and it's I interesting because the the i'm going to totally contradict what i said but uh the i did read that the director's cut of chronicles of riddick is actually better <laughs> so maybe there was a producer who was trying to do their job but just did it poorly and and Chronicles of Riddick was like over a hundred thousand dollars, one hundred five million. Yeah, like <laughs> yes, it was over. It was over a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> over a hundred million dollars. I'm sorry. According to IMDb, Pitch Black is twenty three million, and Chronicles is one hundred and five million. That, there's no reason that Chronicles need to be that much. Like need to cost that much money. No, did not need to cost one hundred five thousand dollars, guys. Ben was living, man. Let's see. Do they ben have? I wonder if they've got one for Riddick. So, and I, if if Riddick is is good Riddick, enough, and I think if Riddick is is a really satisfying third entry, I'll probably be able to forgive thirty eight million. Thirty eight so million. That's, that's I think probably, I'll be willing to yeah. forgive a lot of the faults of Chronicles if they learned from it. Like I think Riddick. Well, the, the, I'm really glad we double featured the first two in anticipation of the third because I think it's really going to help shape the way we look at the third one. The synopsis looks okay. Willie read. Uh, read a, a fan synopsis of Riddick, the third movie, last night, and it mentioned the word fury, and so I'm I'm worried. But I read a pretty, not spoilery, but different than this. This is pretty simple. Left for dead on a sun-scorched planet, Riddick finds himself up against an alien race of predators. Activating an emergency beacon, beaten, beacon alerts two ships, one carrying a new breed of mercenary, the other captained by a man from Riddick's past. Written by David Toohey, Jim Wheat, Ken Wheat. I think I think Jim Wheaton Ken Wheat are they're just characters. Character, yeah. I think they're coasting, coasting on that. <laughs> they're coasting. Yeah, Alex, you don't want to look. Okay. Yeah, there's a spoiler in the credits for okay. this movie on IMDb, so don't. And then there's, there's, cover it. There's two other people. Yeah, it's covered. But I don't know. Whatever. So what's funny is remember how we said in Pitch Black, there's a lot of a lot of the dialogue is kind of muted in a way that you don't understand some of the world building. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that they say in Chronicles of Riddick that's like that also that I didn't really get last night. When we were watching the movie, and then when I was reading about it online today, I was like, oh my god, that's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like they they just it's just too much, guys. Yeah. It's like in Pitch Black, they explain. Remember, Riddick has a very throwaway line where where Keith David asks him about how he thinks about God, how he feels about God. I probably didn't hear it. Okay. Well, Riddick basically just says, he, he, he mentions that his, his parent, he was an orphan, his mother abandoned him, and he said he was found in a dumpster behind a liquor store. With a his, furian with dumpster. His, with his umbilical cord. Behind a furian liquor store. That's not said in Pitch Black. This is what I'm saying. He says, he's like, he, it's just a very like cynical line where he says, if you're, you're left in a dumpster as a baby with your umbilical cord wrapped around your neck, left for dead. And someone finds you there, and he's like, that's why I don't believe in, you know, or that's why he hates God. But then in Chronicles of Riddick, they, they go to explain, apparently, that the Lord Marshal's campaign to eradicate all Furians, his, like, signature finishing move for Furian babies was to strangle them with their own umbilical cords. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I caught that last time. I'm glad oh you brought that. Oh my I totally god. totally forgot about that. So, like, that's it a- was not just negligence. That was an orchestrated <laughs> attempt, and Riddick is just such a beast that he kept it breathing. Like, that's stupid, guys. I really, and I so the Lord really- Marshal got to Earth at some point, strangled this fury, and that somehow got to Earth behind a liquor store no, it's in a Furia. dumpster. He's from Furia. Okay. I think Furia. I hope we get to see the inside of a Furian liquor store this time around. <laughs> liquor store. I mean, making making Riddick into some kind of supernatural badass devalues him from the first movie. Yep. Because in the first movie, he's cool because you're like, man, this guy's just... It's disappointing. This guy, this guy is just hard because he's been in prison his entire life. He's Bane, basically. He's been raised in prison. There was no such he's thing a as Furia anything in Pitch Black. I wanted him to be that human. idea. I wanted these people to be human. Like, I, I just wanted it to be like, this is in the... I didn't want it to be sci-fi fantasy. I wanted it to be sci-fi. Sure. But... Then didn't. And I mean, they, they even go Clearly. so far, a lot of people have inferred from Chronicles of Riddick, apparently, that 
his eye abilities are part of his that he lied about having the surgery and it's just part of his race <laughs> at least they can explain away all the normal stuff about the <laughs> because movie. it's just it's so it's so ridiculous like why are you trying to dissect it you've already established a really cool character this is basically yeah. deconstructing you know wolverine <laughs> like to use that example again or poorly you know wolverine's or- origin is actually pretty cool all right well Let's kill this beast. I didn't like Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> Tim, bad. back to you. Oh, no, no, I'm not doing no, it. No, I'm done. <laughs> that sums up my thoughts. Do we want to wrap movie. up like letter grades? I don't care. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I want to abolish the letter grade. Yeah, we, we killed oh, do we abolish it? Week. Oh, yeah, that's true. I will say this. That's true. We abolished the I'm letter on, grade I'm last week. I some shots here. If you want to place them with respect to After Earth, then I'm okay with it for this last time. I'll throw it in. I've said there are a lot of stupid, cynical movies that come out during the summer. This isn't one of them. I'll take ten Chronicles of Riddick before I sit through another fucking Transformers movie, and it's crap. So I'll take an ambitious, stupid, like, goofy movie. Passionate film. Passionate film over anything like that. So I mean... Go get them, Vin. Go get, I'm behind you. That's... I I can't argue with that, because ambition is, is, is better than... Than no ambition. However, <laughs> I also like staring at pretty CGI. So uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. You anyway, that's interesting d- about d- Transformers. Carl I, wonder, I wonder what the fourth one will be like. Probably the same. It'll be garbage. Yeah. They all are. Okay. Well, we have 18 seconds left. Oh, has anybody real quickly? Has anybody seen Dark Fury? The no. uh, the animated. Place? Yes. Takes yeah, place between the two. Is um, it good? It's, I, there's not much to it. He just fights at a prison, from what I remember. That sounds cool, though. That That's sounds like cool. what I would rather see Riddick doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember a lot of it. I've seen it, though. Of course. Is it, is it shorts? Is it like Animatrix? Or is no, it a story? No, it's, it's like, okay, a, it's okay, like okay. a 60 or 70 minute. Okay. If I remember. I'm curious. I kind of want to check it out. Because I know that the actors from that Keith David, the girl who played Jack and Vin, are the voices and the likenesses. Okay. And it bridges the two movies. So I'm curious to know kind of what goes on. All right. It's a shame because it's a, it's a really it's a potentially awesome franchise. It yeah. just had a really bad second chapter, <laughs> but apparently the video games are good. The the animated movie I've heard is pretty solid, so we'll see what the third one does. All right, I think that wraps it up. Uh, many thanks to Aunt Mister John, my brother, for our graphics and music. Um, follow us on Twitter at MFN Podcast, also on Instagram and Vine. Feedback to feedback at midwestfilmers.com. Let us know what you thought about any of the stuff that we talked about today and the fact that we're trying to keep it down to an hour. If you guys liked the hour and a half, let us know. If you felt like this is too rushed, let us know. And we're going to try it a few more weeks anyway and see how it goes. But um, Other than that... Check us out next week for our continuation of the Midwest Film Nerds Riddick podcast. (laughs) Uh, That's about it. Kyle XY, go watch a movie.